Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Good day, everyone, and welcome to episode 105 of the Pantheon Plus Rewind, the weekly podcast dedicated to the upcoming MMORPG Pantheon Rise of the Fallen and its devoted community. This week, we get to talk about the recent developer stream that's turning into more of a river where the floodgates of gameplay are finally starting to open, then catch up a little bit on community content, and lastly, we continue to follow the enigmatic ways of Janis Sova. So grab your gi and bow staff with me, Desrin, and my focused co-host, Theric. It's time to train ourselves in the ways of Terminus. Thank you for attending this week's Rewind. Okay, Theric, I don't want to immediately get off topic here, because <laughs> obviously we've got a massive show today. Um, but have you been keeping up with any of the uh, Summer Game Fest stuff? Uh, no, unfortunately I haven't. I saw it and I saw that it was happening and I, I actually went to check it out and uh, then I got distracted with something else. So no, I haven't seen anything from it. Oh man. Well, it, it's been an unexpected uh, treat, I would say. Uh, I, I don't watch all of the segments because, you know, it goes on for like a week. And uh, in fact, the Xbox and Bethesda showcase is going to be happening like probably during our premiere on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you might be a little distracted, will you be? Uh, I th I'm going to put it off, actually. I'm, I've, I think the premiere is more important to me. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, I will say there are some things that are really interesting to me uh from the showcase and i am getting pulled into the indie side of things man um i yeah. know that's probably like no surprise to like anyone <laughs> uh, making a podcast about an indie mmo <laughs> so yeah i think you might be into it but, but really like it it's the creativity that comes from some of these things that is just amazing and, and in case you don't know summer game fest one really cool thing about this event is they put triple a games next to indie games like they're no different it's it's actually really refreshing, um, yeah. And there were some really really good ones, and I specifically love the Devolver uh, showcase. With Devolver Digital is a publisher of uh, mostly indie games, and they're always very entertaining. Um, yeah, I saw that you uh, responded to one of their tweets. I think just saying how impressed you were with that. They're they're a great company. Whenever I play a game um, published by Devolver Digital, I it's always like, you know, you're going to get a good experience. Yep. And it's, and it's going to be unique. It's going to be interesting. And it's oftentimes yeah. they support like, indie, you know, uh, like single de devs, right? There's some, um, yeah. one of the ones that surprised me was this one called Skate Story, which has like mm. the most beautiful art style. And it's basically a one guy project. And, uh, and they, they're, you know, supporting him. They, they do this all the time, but. Just everything nice. that I'm seeing is like so there are a few things that I wanted to specifically say, but I'm not going to because <laughs> this intro would be way too long. But all that to say, like, there's so much like I'm kind of done with AAA, man. Like, yeah, there's yeah. so hey, do they publish MMOs? I mean, that that's the relevant question. Here. I mean, that's what we should be asking ourselves. <laughs> uh, they might have a bit of a, a different vibe than maybe uh, Pantheon mm. is going for, uh, but they are awesome. And I just love that everything they have is like so fresh and so unique. Um, and it, it's, it's great, man. 
but uh, I love I love finding a company that makes you you know you, that resonates those vibes and makes you uh, realize that there's still good you know good publishers out there good big gaming companies out there right yep exactly um well, you know you know what else is super fresh and super unique and new hmm I have a guess but I'm gonna wait for you to tell me I think it is our adventuring party. I should have guessed that. I I had a feeling. Uh, Well, let's get to it. So we've got Ziplocs on the Darkmoor Rogue, Sparrow on the Elf Ranger, Bounty Code on the Human Wizard, Screech on the Scar Bard, Wiki Woo on the Human Enchanter, Shuriken on the Dwarf Cleric, uh, Horsesaurus on the Human Warrior, Daimlos on the Darkmoor Cleric, Jason on the Scar Beard Lord, and we got two new people. Uh, We got Anton on the Darkmoor Summoner. Perfect. And yep. uh, welcome, Anton. And, and Graham on the Scar Shaman. Scar Shaman. I love it. Yeah, we had two uh, two new uh, members join the party last week during the premiere and uh, awesome additions. They both were in chat and, you know, said, hey, you know, been listening to the show a long time and really enjoy it. So happy to have you guys on board. That's awesome. And now we have three Scar in the party. Um, they're definitely <laughs> reaping the benefits of that. That movement ben- uh, bonus, yeah, right? the run buff, man. We're speedy now, which We're which speedy. is very important now, um, as we might get into. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, I knew you were going to go. <laughs> anyway, uh, I you know, gotta say it again. Just thanks so much for supporting us and letting us do all sorts of really cool stuff uh, with this platform. Uh, you guys are real MVPs, um, and of course, if you'd like to join the adventuring party, feel free to drop a super chat donation during the premiere on YouTube. Um, or if you can't make the premiere, uh, feel free to check out our Patreon for that kind of more permanent uh, role in the party. And uh, I think that was quite an intro. <laughs> yes, that was amazing. That was great. Let's get to the I'm... the meat and potatoes. Or uh... <laughs> <laughs> meat and potatoes. Let's let's get the show on the road. All those sayings, you know, yeah. whatever. Just all at once. <laughs> let's get to it. This week in Visionary Realms news and notes. Okay, off we go into uh, the June development update, uh, which uh, VR gave us on Thursday, June 9th. And uh, they showcased some monk combat and gameplay. Uh, We got to see an updated race and class matrix. And they even answered, answered a few questions from the community during the stream. So it was a good time. It featured Ronick and Minus and Tehom joined them this time, uh, which is awesome. And um, they get they did like a intro part and then there was like a pre-recorded play session uh, with Minus and Tehom were out roaming around and sort of in what looked like an area that uh, we saw on the last couple updates outside uh, Thronefast called the Forlin. Ah. Um, we got a really good look at, I think, <clears throat> the early experience, what it's going to be feel like to play a monk in particular as a solo player and then even as a duo later on because some of the shots uh showed you know minus and teom working together in some of the combat situations um and teom was on the enchanter minus was on the monk now they've talked a lot lately about how they're shaping the new player experience and i thought this was a pretty good showcase for that so uh let's dig into what exactly we saw because there was there was lots of details here that you know, you really, they talked about some of it, some of it you just had to observe. To me, this, the big ticket item here to me was the interplay between class skills and techniques. So does, like we've said in the last week or two, you know, it's getting harder and harder to discuss them without seeing them in action. And I, you know, we saw Minus using 
some techniques here, which was pretty cool. The one that they showed was called resonating impact. And Tehom said it was a universal technique. And what that means is that it's not specific to the monk and it actually works with any weapon. Uh, the way the way it works, what it actually does is it's like just a basically a health, um, like a life tap kind of thing where it returns some damage, uh, returns some of the damage done as health back to the monk. That In this case, that's what Minus was playing. Now, it's pretty interesting because, you know, since they introduced techniques, we, we didn't, you know, we, my understanding of it at least was that they were tied to specific weapons. And this term universal technique is something that we actually, I don't think we'd heard before. Um, you know, what they, the way that they described it was um, that Tehom said it that, oh, I'm just looking for in my notes here where he, where he actually talked about how it works, but um, it you it's one that is applicable to any weapon. Mm-hmm. So it's not specific to the class or any one weapon in particular, which is kind of seems like a different um, a different way of doing it to, from what we've been described previously, um, because even the, the term technique just implies something very specific. And to, to be honest, you know, I, I can't, I'm having a hard time connecting how these, you know, if there are universal techniques, how do they feed into, you know, class and item and combat identity in any, any real kind of way? Um, I, I'm guessing, you know, they're maybe just low level ones. I don't really know. Um, you know, or maybe it's just being used to introduce the concept of techniques to players. Um, but then again, you know, if they're universal, if, if they're just across all weapons, you know, is it a technique or is it something else, you know? And I, I don't know. So I guess the definition is getting a little blurry to me on this one. Did you, did you have any thoughts on what they said about these like universal techniques does? Well, actually, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure this was mentioned uh, in, in the past that they have, you know, class specific, uh, weapon specific, um, and, and a few just kind of across the board. So I guess I was kind of actually expecting okay. to have a spread like this, but I, I do think it's really interesting that we're seeing this spread, like basically the, not the first time we've seen techniques, period, but mm-hmm. in, in, a, in, in context, <laughs> you know, like we, we're seeing yeah. them used. Um, but we're seeing uh, them spread across uh, being universal in the sense of they're for any weapon. That also doesn't mean they're universal in the sense that they're for every class as well. So right. keep that in mind. I'm sure there is crossover there because it, it looks like they're really touching on every zone that this could be, um, which I actually like. Like, obviously, we don't want every class, every weapon to have the same abilities. Like, that's, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When I hear universal, that's what I hear, right? I hear like, I hear this broad, you know, application of a, of a, you know, mechanic that they've come up with being applied broadly. And I I don't know if I like that. Right. And, and I think in this specific case, it might just be a low level, uh, technique, right? Because the the nature of the ability is so universally needed for melee classes, isn't it? You know, you get a little Mm -hmm. bit of health back. Uh, in exchange for, you know, spending your readiness. And uh, whether that is for any class or just any weapon for the monk, you know, uh, I'm not sure if that was exactly clear. Um, But I I think it's great because the techniques aren't like, again, like the ESO thing where it's like, hey, it's just a weapon and then you have abilities for that weapon or like, you know, the Guild Wars uh, equivalent. It, it's mm-hmm. its own thing. This is a new thing. It's it's abilities that can be all of those things. It could be a universal completely. It could be class, you know, 
uh, universal, mm-hmm. or it could be weapon specific, or it could be weapon and class specific. It could, it could be any yeah. of these things. How they, um, like how they designate these things is going to be really interesting. It's going to really make a difference, um, in some pretty significant ways, I think in, you know, class design, class choice, uh, weapon choice, like it's going to be really interesting how they apply these designations across the board. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then, you know, on the broader front of things, you know, Tehom said that they are working on techniques for other classes. This is the part that I think everybody really likes that they've got like kits, you know, they've got these kits all plotted out all the way to level 50 for most for, for the other classes. Um, and although they've been emphasizing, you know, balancing them, uh, the classes through to level 10, they're now moving on and, and starting to implement through to 20 and get that done. And then moving through it, you know, like I said, they've got it planned out through to 50, which is pretty cool to hear. Um, the other part of this that they talked about was how they have the tools that are allowing the creation of these new abilities basically very fast. Of course, you know, that doesn't include like the animations or anything like that, yeah. just, a, just a functional uh, level. But, you know, their tools are such that that allows for that. And that's, you know, that's similar to what we've heard we've heard this before in terms of class design, you know, that the tools allow for this very quick class design. But I think what we've seen evidence of since they've said that is that, I mean, you can, you can put something down on paper pretty quick and you can sort of like functionally put it into the game fairly quickly, but then the actual gameplay design takes, (laughs) takes time. It's a lot (laughs) of, you know, experimentation with, and this gameplay stream, you know, one of the things that I think came across to me was, you know, this is what they're, this is what it looks like when they're testing these things, when they're trying to get a feel for them. So I thought that was pretty cool, but um, what yeah, do you think? Yeah, that, that's, that's a really good thing to point out is they can put these in very quickly. And I think as Tehom put it, like they can, you know, get an ability in, you know, they might not have animations or VFX, but they can get like the effect and they can immediately start play testing that because internal yeah. QA doesn't need animations or VFX, right? It just, they just need the ability to do a thing. Um, And I think that's also going to cause them to be able to do some really fast iteration, uh, which is extremely important that, again, you know, since the refactor, this is why this is important. So they don't have to consult a programmer when they need to change a number somewhere uh, or or, or put in a new ability or anything like that, right? And it's going to be so good in the long run, especially through the bigger testing phases as they have to adapt and tweak and you know, probably get more people on staff to to do that kind of stuff. Make sure they can do it easily. But the, the biggest takeaway from this part that I think was just super important is that I think a lot of the community was worried, right? That they were just working on the monk. Like, mm-hmm. I think that was a very yeah, real we, thing because that's all we heard about. That's all we saw. And he's just like, no, just, just so you know, just because we're showing the monk, that's just because they have, you know, animations and, you know, they're easier to show. Yeah, it's showable right now. But like, yeah, we've got them all, you know, more or less like uh, set up to 50. Um, Mm -hmm. They are focusing on 1 to 10 uh, and, and, well, now 1 to 20, I think he indicated, um, for the the classes that are currently in because Mm -hmm. that's that gives them a, a test bed, right? But the actual building, I think they're making it clear that that's not like the work we're seeing isn't the only work. And I know I've come against this idea a lot, but in the sense of classes, I think it's, it's totally valid. And he just confirms that, yep, yeah. we've been working on all the classes, you know, 
especially the ones that are currently in because they're a test bed, but that doesn't mean we're not like building out the rest of the kits and stuff. So it's great confirmation. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, people were, you know, kind of grumbling about seeing another monk stream, but again, it's not, you have to look past, you know, what you're seeing in terms of the monk and look at the concepts yes. that are being shown and, and what they're what they're actually showing you just just take the same thing with the some of the graphics i mean i've seen some comments you know again people pointing at the combat with the deer and saying you know this is how much <laughs> many years of, of development it's like but look past that look at what you're actually seeing don't don't look at the the, the graphics so look at the animation look at the it, listen to what they're talking about yeah like listen to the mechanic that they're talking about because you have to you have to really understand that it's being what's being shown to you is not necessarily the what you're seeing on the screen it's a it's a it's a design element right so and that actually goes right into what i wanted to say next about um readiness right because we haven't really seen readiness demonstrated all that much yet and now we did now we did um and what readiness is you know and how it you know feeds technique usage how it functions um i think we got some really good information we learned that it basically generates at a very measured pace and that's actually outside of player control so um at least in comparison to the class resource yeah. i think was an important takeaway here because tayhome described the class resource so whether you know whatever class you're playing whether that's you know your essence is a dire lord or your your vision is a shaman you know that's much more reliable and it's also much more controllable by you the player um so in the video we saw minus using to give an example of this we saw him using wandering fist a monk ability that's like a quick low damage monk strike um and it actually guarantees the monks going to evade the next attack and that uses the class resource of chi rather than readiness and so like we've discussed before you can you can control your chi flow they've, they've done several videos about this about opening the chakra gates about how you um determine that through your actions as a monk or your inactions um and, yeah. and minus talked about using it strategically in this case to avoid a bleed attack right and then Taeom sort of commented on top of that saying, you know, it not only does it avoid damage, it mitigates downtime between fights. So that's, that's basically what people are looking for. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't notice it, but it might've just been my distracted attention. What I was looking for was, you know, how was the readiness being generated? And they've talked in the past, you know, we, we've had this discussion that it's, you know, from your melee attacks, right? It's from when you use your, is it your auto attacks? What is it being done that's generating your, your readiness and maybe i was just distracted but i didn't really see that did you get a good look at that does so i i i've already mentioned this uh but like i have to go through the videos even more than i have because each time i go through the video i have to pick out different things and that's not something that i've specifically focused on yet um but right. in the past uh i believe it's been said that it's generated from you know hit hits and uh the mob hitting you and obviously the monk doesn't really want the mob hitting them. So uh, in essence, choosing to avoid attacks is actually lowering your gain of readiness. So again, another strategic element, right? Um, but one thing that was mentioned was uh, Tehom said that one way to control your readiness gain is by increasing your hit rating, which, mm -hmm. you know, yep. to make your, your, yourself able to hit the mobs easier and generate more readiness that way. And actually just off the top of my head, I was realizing that it's probably harder to hit things that are higher level than you, which is an innate, you know, difficulty increaser uh, for higher level mobs. 
So if you're fighting higher level things, you're actually going to have to count on your readiness being less regenerative, which is, I sorry, I just thought of that. But like, again, another layer no, of things. That's that's exactly right. I mean, that's that's how we need to figure this out, because it's through like this sort of breaking down of it that we're going to figure it out. So, you know, I'm I'm sort of you know, coming to these realizations as the same time as you are here about <laughs> talking about this, because I think it's pretty cool, you know, like I, 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 and I think, again, this is a, exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you got to understand that there's more going on here than what you're just seeing, right? So yeah, um, well, if little details you touched on uh, minus is like, kind of deep dive, you know, into uh, when he was like talking <laughs> yeah. about his experience with the monk, right? And I mean, Tehom was just giddy. Um because as a designer, I'm sure this just makes its day, right? Um, but <laughs> yeah. but it, it just really did demonstrate you have to really think about what you're doing and you really have to pay attention um, and, and not to mention know what you're fighting to because one of, like with the bleed, um, he was trying to time that kind of, you know, his whole uh, combat strategy to avoid that and take advantage of it. And as Teo said, like, you, sure, you could probably like button mash and come out alive, um, maybe, uh, but, but you're like, you're almost certainly it, you know, you're going to see more risk you know, you're probably going to take that bleed and it's going to suck. Um, but now you're having to think about, you have way more downtime because you just took a bunch of unnecessary hits, spended a bunch of resources that you didn't need to. Um, and you're probably not going to be able to fight as difficult of enemies because you, you aren't really strategizing and, Minus this whole explanation just kind of encapsulates that happening. <laughs> what it's all about. Yeah, what it's all about. Yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, I like what Tehom said, the balance, the the larger goal here is to slow down, you know, and balance the, you know, the actions per minute approach, but still give pl players things to do, you know, and, and the example of fighting games, right? You can mash buttons all day and you're, you'll win the occasional fight. Um, but players who understand the cadence, you're going to win more reliably. You're going to, be able to take on better things, get better loot. You know, if you can't figure this system out, if you don't sink your teeth into it, you're not going to get out of it as much as you possibly could. Um, and it gets more and more relevant at higher levels, they said. And honestly, that that should not surprise anyone <laughs> because this is the one to 10 experience. And it's it's so take this and, and now layer it until you get to level 50 or whatever max level ends up being, right? So mm -hmm. I, I really like the idea here. And, and we got a bit more of an idea where VR is taking the system, you know, like what they, what we, they want it to feel like, uh, you know, overall, I don't feel like my opinion has changed very much. I, I do think it's a smart approach. Now I'll voice a, a concern that I have and it, it, it creates a lot of testing needs, obviously. Yeah. Right. Like it takes yeah, yeah. to be able to get these class skills, these weapon techniques balanced, you know, get, um, these things. You, not balance isn't even the right word, you know, just not broken. Right? <laughs> yeah, just not broken. I like that. Not broken. <laughs> like, I don't need balance. I just need it not to be broken. Um, that takes a lot of work. So I, I would I would just probably uh, keep my keep my finger on the concerned button maybe a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, on that note, though, I kind of feel like it just emphasizes the importance of of testing with a large amount of people and how like helpful yeah. that feedback um is going to be from players that are inevitably going to break these more than an internal QA could be, which I, I'm sure this would be a, a huge deal for uh, if it was just a sole like internal QA of a few people trying to go through all of this and make sure that the, the interplay between everything is fine. But if you scale that up to thousands of players, 
that are happy to break things for you. <laughs> you know, like yeah. hopefully everyone's giving feedback too. But even so, there's going to be enough people where they're going to know where the pitfalls are. And, you know, I'm never expecting everything to be perfect equilibrium. Um, in fact, yeah. we're hoping that it, that doesn't happen, no. right? <laughs> yeah, that's why I said not balanced, because I don't want it to be balanced. I just, you know, I, I just don't want it to be completely out of whack, right? And and, and broken right. beyond all repair, right? So it's, it's um, yeah, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of testing. And, and uh, when we get back to testing, we'll, um, we got to put our backs into oh, it, yeah. you know, and, and everybody who's involved in that needs to really get the, uh, get the work done. So, so yeah, there is, there's a lot going on here with the techniques and readiness and class skills, but I know that there's a lot in this stream that you wanted to talk about too, and you picked up on. So let me, let me throw it to you and, and see which, which things, uh, you really wanted to dig into. Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. Put on the digging claws, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, first thing that I, I feel is so important to touch on and we, 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 we gave it a little touch on the shoulder. But we, we got to talk about this downtime um, and how blatant they just came out and said, yep, we definitely increased downtime. Like, <laughs> I love how bold well, would, they are with it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's the thing. It's it's vision and and being bold and understanding what they're going for. So they just like, that's what we need. We're going to do yep. it. And, uh, yeah, they said, you know, it's extremely vital to Pantheon's design on a number of fronts. And we're really seeing that. Um, and what I love is this shift or maybe not a shift, but they're putting the spotlight on a part of gameplay that people probably haven't had to think about for like 20 years. I mean, unless they're still playing some older games, um, and <laughs> which they are, <laughs> which a so. lot of them are. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you're having to think about not just what happens in combat, but you're having to think about how to mitigate downtime and, I think that brings in this whole new element um, to what people might expect from a quote unquote combat system um, to where your decisions have like a knock on effect uh, that people don't really have to think about with a modern game. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to be received well or if people will understand it, you know, I think it, I think it, causes people to have to talk to each other, you know, like, I think it causes people to have to say like, okay, I'm, I'm going to sit down you keep going, you know, like, uh, I need to med, you know, like we actually saw that on stream. We saw the text communication, the yeah. text between minus and Tehom talking to each other. And there's no way that wasn't done on purpose, obviously. Right. Yeah, like, maybe. I think that was basically done to demonstrate how you navigate this downtime situation or how you navigate you know, uh, regen situation. Yeah. Like I think at one point, uh, Tehom was like, all right, I can go, but like, I'm not going to be able to mess it, you know, <laughs> if you get an ad, yeah. uh, which is really, you know, but they're trying to keep as much uptime as they can, but still balance yeah. the other thing. And so resource management is huge. And, uh, and so they, they gave a lot of info on that, that, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to watch the stream, but, you know, let's drill this in because first off, investment was the big word um, that Tehom yeah. gave. And so when it comes to resting, they've, they've changed up a lot of things here, which is why I want to touch on this. So yeah, you sit down and you rest, but it's more than that because this is Pantheon. And, <laughs> and so now <laughs> you, you actually get this additive amount of regen when you're resting. And he did point out that you can do this in combat. Um, but 
you start out with a, a you know very slow amount of regen and then the longer you rest um, the example they gave was like you know every like 10 seconds but i'm sure that's liable to change then you get some extra yeah. regen and some extra regen and, and all this stuff so the the really neat thing about this one little change is that it's going to remove well, let's, we've seen this in streams hopefully i'm not out of bounds here but where, where you're not just like seeing people okay you cast a spell then you sit down and you yeah. cast a spell and then you yeah. sit down um because there's a there's a delay before it gets started right um yeah. and so you're not going to just want to be sitting in combat and then casting a spell that's that's out the window but what i really believe is that what this is going to do because you have to manage your resources we have to um mitigate downtime and so it's going to make the intensity uh and i don't just mean like fast pace but i mean intensity as in like decision making your weight of what you do is going to be so much more intense during the uptime uh yeah. as you're kind of like making these decisions right and then your downtime is is going to be probably very welcomed <laughs> you know <laughs> Well, and you're going to, you're going to, it's just more contiguous, right? Like you're doing it more in larger chunks. So you're, you're up and you're active and you're spending your resources and you're, you're executing the combinations that we talked about a minute ago and you're really thinking and, and strategizing and then you're down and you're better off doing it that way, you know, being completely out of resources to, for a longer regen time. Now the trade-off and the consideration you have to make is does my current group makeup allow me to do that? Or am I with people who also understand that? Or do I need to adjust how I'm doing this? Because although that's the optimal way to do it, maybe you're in a situation where you can't, maybe you have a duo and it's you and another, you know, not a, not really a strong tank or maybe not a strong something, whatever <laughs> happens to dictate what your needs for your class are in that situation, you might not be able to do it. So I think it really makes things, um, you know, more weight to your decisions uh, along with how it's affecting the actual combat. Yeah, you bring up a gr another great uh, kind of product of this, which is this is going to totally change depending on what group you're in. Um, yeah. Like, you know, how well people know each other uh, and what the classes do, et cetera. They did say that, you know, they're still going to put in some options to mitigate downtime, like like buffs and items. But, you know, this is a core thing. So you're going to want to expect downtime to some degree. And if if you're uh, a tank that is just like, my thing is I just chain pull and that's just how, how it goes. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're going to have to know when that's okay. Um, it, it's going to change See, so much about what your group makeup means. That's where I worry, right? Because I worry when you get people like that who don't know how to do it any other way. And they, they don't really, they're not, they don't want to change how they're used to doing something. Right. And you try to explain to them, say, look, here's how the mechanic works. It, you get, I get more mana back the longer I'm sitting down and it, at a greater rate, the longer I'm sitting and they're like, look, I'm just a speed puller. This is how it is. I did this in wow. I did this in final. <laughs> don't understand. It's not going to work like that. Yeah. And it's going to so. be very evident. I think that it doesn't work like that. Um, just going off the gameplay that we saw, I think there's a lot that we could actually pull from, um, and I'd love to go further, but, you know, we, we do have, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be a longer episode, you know, regardless, but, um, but since we talked about resource management, let's touch on the changes to food. Um, cause I think this is another big change. Um, 
We're no longer using food as a instantaneous kind of boost, right? Right. Yeah. See, this one, this one, I'm, I was going to say before you started, like, this one didn't really do much for me, I guess I might say. I It seemed, I don't know why, but this didn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Maybe you can explain it to me why this is a bigger deal than I'm understanding. There are a few nuances that make this great to me um, in theory, right? Uh, but the one thing is long-term consumable for food, I think is always the better option just because it's so annoying, man, to like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, grab your, you know, insert edible here every time you need some mana or whatever. It, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I think the one that they showed during the stream was like 27 minutes on it. I think up in the corner. Yeah. You could the see default's like the... Uh, 30 minutes, I think, is what the, the yeah, baseline is yeah. right now. But so there, there's a few things. And that's the food is a bonus to your normal resting mitigation or resting um regeneration and so it's a i think what was the the quote it was it, it's complementary to the mechanic of of resting and re regen but it's not the foundation of it so it's not a substitute for resting it's not like eq2 where you get some good food and then you just never have downtime <laughs> you're um, good to go yeah never need to sit down once you get that food in. right and and this is the big twist man and this just goes to show like they're thinking so far beyond just, hey, oh, we need a food mechanic. Boom, there it is. All right, let's move on. What I will say, there was a time when food was required and then they abandoned it, actually. There was, because it was like EverQuest. It was like, if you didn't have food, you were actually punished for not having food and drink in your inventory. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. This this was a while ago, but then they sort of, they let it go. But, you know, now it's not that punishment system anymore. Now it's the active reward system that they're going for with this. But it, but it's actually even deeper than that because they, and this is one reason why I love when Tehom speaks on these things is I know he's thinking about what the other people are thinking about, like the, the audience, because yeah. when we think, okay, now, okay, I just have to like always have food going. Okay, whatever. No, because he specifically noted that not all food even gives the regen benefit. There's plenty of food that is other benefits. So you're going to have right. to decide, right. do I want the regen benefit for out of combat stuff? Do I want, I don't know, maybe a stat boost? Oh man, it, it gets so much more deep than it, I mean, was expected to be, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it just, to me, it feels like, um, it feels like just a, a bonus you choose your bonus like what do you want i don't know i i it's okay it's okay i'm not up I, I think it's good for crafting i think it's good for the crafter situation and, and for like consumables and, and sort of plays into all that but um you know i think everybody's gonna probably have one really good food that they keep on their in their inventory and you know that's what they're they're just gonna have it on at all times i don't know but i'm open to the idea of it being more um, a more interesting system than this, but it kind of, to me, it feels like a something we've seen in quite a few games before. It doesn't really seem that novel to me, but it's, it, I wouldn't I say it's completely novel, but I do think, uh, you know, the other phrase that's used is player agency. And I do think some players will prefer to have the regen benefit and some pl players will prefer to have the other benefits. And then it's going to depend on yeah. your class. It's going to depend on your gear setup. It's going to depend on what you're doing. You know, are you are you trying to chain pull or are you trying to, you know, just have the maximum stats for this one fight? 
Um, and yeah. I think that is going to prevent people from having just one food. Um, yeah. At least. Yeah. You could totally be right. Uh, I can agree with that. Then uh, since we're, you know, touching on resource regen and stuff, let's, let's real quick dig into Sprint because uh, we've talked about Sprint, <laughs> but they actually showed it. Yay. Showing things. Yay. Um, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, uh, and this touched on endurance, you know, again, resources that we have to know about. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the, the, the quick right off the bat is a endurance endurance is, is for traversal um, like al almost exclusively. But again, he's thinking about how other people are going to see this. And what's the first thing you think of when you think of running fast, it's kiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It was immediately um, framed as a combat uh, tactic and a, uh, you know, means of, dealing with the environment yes and uh again another choice that you have to make uh there are a few takeaways from this and, and i mean there are actually a lot of takeaways from the sprint mechanic but the main ones i want to kind of touch on is that they're designing it with both out of combat and in combat application in mind um and it, it is a resource that you'll have to decide whether or not it's a good idea to use um yeah. yeah this sounds very hard to affect like uh i think the only way they mentioned to uh, maybe affect your endurance regen was like maybe items and buffs, but mainly like the speed buffs um, might yeah. help. Well, to me, it's like what I'm saying earlier. It's like if if it affects, if there's a food that affects endurance, like let's just whatever it is, you know, people are always going to have that on them um, so that they can run faster, right? Um, because it, I guess it depends on how sprint works. Like in the, another question that actually came up during the stream was, or I saw it in chat somewhere was that, you know, is sprint going to take up a space on the action set? You know, is it going to take up a, a button because how is, how does it actually work? Or is it just like you just hold down shift or something as we do in every other game to run? Um, you know, that's a, that's a good question I thought. And uh, I don't know. I, I really think that if it, you, when we saw it, like let's let's be honest, it was fast. It was really like, fast. It was yeah, fast. I think they need to tune it down a little bit. But maybe. it wasn't very long, um, though. Like the, right, he wasn't that's able the, to that's do it. That's the very key long. thing: is how long can you sprint that fast for? Yeah. And uh, so. as you said with the food, I'm, I'm going to push back on you a little bit here again because because yeah, uh, yeah. you just mentioned you know if so you know if there's a endurance regen food, everyone's going to have it. Okay, so if they're going to always have that, are they they're going to sacrifice the increased you know, regen from, for their resting or, you know, their other stuff. Like, would you rather be yeah, able to know. sprint longer or would you rather regen your health and mana faster? Would you rather have stats? Well, if I'm a caster, I'm, I need to run away a lot. And if I'm a melee, if I'm a tank, I need to get in there and have my mana regening. I don't but know. Or my if health you're, regen. if you're a caster, do you want to run away better or do you want to regen your mana better? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess. <laughs> I like it, but it, again, like it depends on like how they do it, right? Can you only have one active at a time? That's is the it, impression I it, I think was pretty clear. You yeah. could, you could okay, correct me, enough. but yeah, I, I don't think you're going to be able to stack a bunch of food buffs because uh, that yeah, that yeah. that would be silly. And I think they have the forethought to like be like, yeah, that's not sure. cool. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Um, I mean, this is it would be weird if this was like a super poorly thought out system and and all the other ones are right. really well thought out you know so that wouldn't make any sense but i i really liked the sprinting just overall i think it it looked cool i thought the animation was really cool um i think i think being as fast as it looked um you know 
probably you know i don't even know like i said they need to tone it down i don't even know i think that's kind of fun to be able to run that fast but um <laughs> for a little bit I, yeah i did enjoy because it, it. i i think yeah. if you're trying to get away from something it would feel like you're actually getting away and not like because if it was just like a 10 percent boost you know you're probably don't feel like you're actually yeah, sprinting yeah, right yeah. but yeah something right. that can be tuned as well um but the really interesting thing that affects everyone um from this i think was uh they specifically started talking about like the you know the let's just say it spirit of the wolf or you know like uh the the song um the bard song uh yeah velo velos something yeah it's just um it. how they may want to play with how that affects sprint rather than just general movement speed and i think that's going to be something people are going to have some strong feedback on because again sure. a lot of people are are really used to set it and forget it you know like oh i get my 30 minute sal um i'm just mm -hmm. faster for 30 minutes well it's like okay what if, what if sal instead of giving you just flat movement speed allowed you to regen endurance more you know more uh or allowed you to yep. sprint faster when you were sprinting um like it adds more variability that i think a lot of people aren't necessarily expecting um yeah so yeah well, I mean, I can tell you, I'm going to be running in the wrong direction quite often. <laughs> so maybe going fast isn't what I want. Maybe I, it's going to just help me get lost much quicker. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yep. Yep. Um, actually, you mentioned the animation. So maybe we could quickly, you know, what yeah. did you think of the animations, man? I love them. I love them. I think that the monk uh, combat animations were excellent. The... Um, I went back and looked at it again today because I couldn't remember exactly sort of what it was about it that I liked, but there's like multiple things going on in one of them where it's like they spin the staff, they, you know, sort of jut it into the ground and then do their attack. It's, it's really, they're very cool. They're very unique and, and different. And I really enjoyed them. Um, you know, and I, I, I think they look, I think they look great. I can't say more than that. I don't know what else to say, but, uh, <laughs> what do you think? Um, I really, someone in, in chat actually pointed this out was, uh, that, they actually match a lot more of a quarterstaff technique, like a real life quarterstaff technique than most games mm -hmm. go for. And I have to say, I really appreciate that, um, you know, that he's actually using the staff generally how you would actually use a staff. <laughs> it yeah, sounds silly, yeah. but uh, yeah, a lot of games get that wrong. Um, so I've got to give props for that. Uh, I feel like some of the transitions were still a little stiff, um, mm. which, you know, I think I they might that. be still working on. It almost makes things feel a little bit sped up um, to me, uh, where you know you do mm -hmm. your attack and the animation's cool, but then you just like snap back to, you know, your auto attack. Yeah. And um, if they could figure that out, I'll be super happy. I think a lot of people were really critical of the animations, maybe more than they should I don't have understand been. Understand that. Uh, I think it's just yeah. because a lot of games do mocap, um, and yeah. they have these really natural, weighty animations. But I actually am okay with the not perfectly realistic animation style of the more handcrafted um, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, me too, you know. Uh, and I think in me this too. kind I, of game, I, you don't notice as much too. Yeah, exactly. I don't really need, it just doesn't need to be, you know, pixel perfect. And, and every action needs to be perfectly, you know, working with the physics and look realistic. I It just, it just has to look fun. Like it just has to look, 
decent enough to make me, you know, not when I do the animation uh, as my character, have people make fun of me for it. You know, like that's all I'm looking for here. Right. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I might I be a little bit further on the scale then just cause I, I yeah, want I stuff to feel more of a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just want stuff to feel impactful, you know, like I, I, I want it to feel like I'm hitting something when I hit the key. Right. Um, yeah. but, but overall, uh, the other takes takeaways for the animation side was that it sounds like they've really honed in their animation pipeline with the new people. So I think we'll be yeah. seeing a lot more activity, um, and, and hopefully, you know, a little bit more polish maybe, but, um, they're yeah. looking great. I think, uh, in general, it says their, their next steps for that are going to be the idle stances, the auto attacks, uh, casting animations that were mentioned previously as well. Um, so really yep. looking forward yep. to how it all kind of comes together. Cause I think my bickers are probably going to be solved once everything is put together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think I'm not concerned about that at all. I, I like the way that they do it. it they, they've always looked good to me, you know, and I've never had any real quibbles with the animations. So just keep doing what they're doing and, and keep developing the other classes along the same lines as what we saw at the monk. And I'd be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, a few other things that I want to take away from the Q and a side, um, the first one was, uh, the kind of talk about like, when's the right time to group and what are they kind of like designing for? Right. And I think we kind of knew that level 20, level 10 was like kind of the general gist. Yep, that's what we've been told. Um, yep. but you know, as they said, like they're very actually open about this. I realized that they're just kind of like, yeah, monk is a very soloable class. Um, like as if mm -hmm. other classes probably aren't, which is fine, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> Um, but they, they say that, yeah, that it even starts to taper off that solo, you know, really easy solo ability. It, 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 you start to feel it the closer you get to level 10. And, uh, and I think minus example, um, was just so good here. I think Minus's examples through this whole stream were really great because obviously he's excited to play the game, but and they're really poignant. So he pointed out that kind of the difference in the starting experience um, when he was grouping up versus when he was soloing. And I thought that was just such a good comparison because um, when he could group, um, he could obviously face higher level enemies. Um, and, and I love he even pointed out specifically, it enabled him to face these skeletons, which had a chance for, you know, better loot, as in, like he said, like cloth armor and weapons, which is really important. You know, uh, I, <laughs> yeah. did you notice Tehome actually pointed out that rogues have a hard time starting out because they they to be really effective they need a second weapon i did hear that yeah i did hear that specifically that yeah for and, sure. and so this kind of just innately means that a rogue is probably going to want to group a little sooner just for the sake of mm -hmm. access to equipment yeah what, what a concept yeah. right well you know the thing is it's it's again it's about class design right so i mean you know, you're, if you're a solo player, if you really want to just solo as much as possible, you want to play the best class for that, um, you know, maybe the rogue's not it. Maybe monk is the way to go. And and if that's not something you're into, you know, um, that's that's kind of a it's going to be a difficult thing for you to deal with, I guess, yeah. unless you're willing to group up to get what you want. You know, like and, and I got a comment on those skeletons as well. They were pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody liked them as soon as I saw them, I'm like, oh, man, yeah, people are going to love I, those I, things. I, I really like the, the glowing effect. And I, it was a nice little tidbit to show that they have the ability to do some cool effects now. Uh, HDRP yeah. is it, it raises the ceiling, right? You know, it, it doesn't innately yeah. make everything better, but um the glow effect and it's really hard because it's like 
you know, 1080p. Um, it's all kind of processed on YouTube. And so I think in game, it's going to look even better um, by far. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of speaking of looking better uh, in game, I, know I you, have to call you, this you out. You were given minus. <laughs> you were given a. Uh, I, I have to send a, a nice personal thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're very excited about. This. <laughs> um, well, I and I kind of knew this was coming. I they alluded to this. I think CR alluded to this, but minus specifically pointed out, like you know, someone said something about the low the mountains and rocks looking low poly, right? And I've I've bickered about this. I many times, every time, because I see them and it hurts me and um, they're not ready to show it. Um, but they do have some major improvements for rocks and mountains and just terrain, I guess would be the general gist. Right. And man, okay. Minus you really did hype this up. So my, my, like I said, on the plus you, man, my expectations are now higher. So thanks for that. Um, <laughs> but I am really looking forward to this because I, I think it's going to change the whole look of the game. Like there's, there's other things I could point out, like the, the shadows under the trees don't, you know, affect certain, um, parts of the scene and, uh, random stuff. But, but that is going to be such a big overall change. I think it's going to make the game look so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to it too. I wouldn't have been excited if minus didn't uh, seem so excited about it if they just said oh we've you know the trees and the rocks and the mountains will look better next time you see them i've been like okay whatever but he seemed very excited about it so you know. <laughs> yep i i i, I am the, i don't want to be vain man but i think that's going to change a lot of people's opinions on how the game looks uh in general yeah, well we'll see all right so do, <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this to you first just do, do you want to get into a couple more little little things Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I, I still haven't been able to parse through literally every frame of, <laughs> of the video, right? <laughs> but I did find some really interesting bits. Um, one was right off the bat, they op uh, Minus. Minus was a, such a joy for this because I think he's throwing us so many bones because he moused over every ability. He moused over, yeah, he you know, all this. He opened all the windows. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So really giving us a lot to go on. Um, that's going to take weeks to unpack, I'm sure, but opens the, uh, the character window, which we've seen before. And this time it has this whole side panel for skills. Yeah. The skills were really interesting. And in, in a long time ago, we saw a spreadsheet with their deep stats. <laughs> yeah. They had something along the lines of this, where it was, you know, a, a different form of it, but basically when you understand like look at the skills like look at how many there are i'll put this i'll put this image in the video so everybody can see it when we're talking about it during the premiere um but like this is a lot you know this is a lot of different areas to you know you can potentially increase your character's abilities and all these different skills which and we talked about skill caps last week yep, right and it, so, and it shows them I mean, specifically yep. yeah but specifically that was about weapons but again we're talking about casters we're talking about support classes and everything like that so this was pretty cool I, and i'm glad he did that and i'm not surprised because we did he did that when we played um through fortress dev and <laughs> he did every single little thing and i it was very informative then too so it's a good thing to do yep um uh i i have to point out a few things i i know this is going long but uh so one thing is about the incremental skill updates because that's really important right uh, that while we're a certain level, that we experience some kind of progression. And you already see that now. 
Like you're seeing incremental sp- uh, yeah. updates in the chat window from combat. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. But I mean, you know, and again, it, it's, it may not be something you feel right away, but it's at least feeding that piece of your brain that's like, ooh, I'm getting better at this. Ooh, I'm getting better yeah. at this, right? Like we really feed on that kind of I stuff. I think it's obviously going to matter a lot, you know, in the later parts of the game. Yeah. But, but even to, to start off, just knowing that what you're doing has more effect than just your general level. Um, and then, you know, we have this probably work in progress, like, you know, UI stuff to at least tell you like, hey, like you have all of these skills um, and I'm sure all those skills aren't even applicable immediately, right? Because this is level one monk. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But it's showing you that they're there to give you something to look forward to is really important. Uh, Agreed. Okay. For sure. Yeah, no, and enjoy that. Let me ruffle some feathers uh, and just say, if, <laughs> if you have this up on screen, just look at the bottom of the window and <laughs> and then we'll move on. Um, <laughs> Art. to, uh, the combat summary. <laughs> Have we ever talked about this on the, uh, on the rewind before? No, no, I don't think so. I, because, uh, the last time I'm trying to think if they showed this during our, uh, dev IR stream, I think they did because I was catching a lot of flack for, um, the wizard deeps that I wasn't doing. Um, <laughs> So I do remember this. I have some sort of traumatic memory of this. So, but this is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh man. Cool. Well, who knows if this is going to be player visible, right? But, uh, but yeah, let's. I'm sure the chat is going to just um, chat comments and everything uh, because built-in yeah. parse. What? Oh no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if they're gonna. They're, I don't know if this was like something they're gonna actually allow, but. Um, yeah, I don't, and I don't even know what I can say about it because, you know, there may be discussions in other places that are going on that, um, you know, deal with this, but <laughs> maybe it's just something we can leave here for now exactly. and come back, circle back on it a little bit. Yeah, day, that was right? kind of my intent is, you know, if if we're going to ruffle a few feathers, like at the end of the section, like, may as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. here, here let, let me let me offer you a reprieve from ruffling feathers and, and bring up the one more thing I wanted to talk about, and that's the class and race right. matrix. Right. Right. Because we haven't really hit on that yet. And, and it was definitely something I wanted to touch on. Now, it, it, it I don't have a lot to say about it, but I wanted to definitely mention it because um, I'm just trying to find my notes here. Um, yeah. So they tweaked it a little bit. It was neat um, to see some of them making some of these changes that they've talked about in the past. They've, they've said that they were going to do some changes. And I've never been one to like, I wasn't really a big proponent of it. I don't feel like it was needed to be done right now but it is kind of neat when they hear they explain the lore behind why some of these changes are made right so like the the dark mer druid can't do druid because it's antagonistic towards the planet of terminus mm-hmm. and nature whereas you know um the the another one that really stands out and i think you'll agree with me as the halfling dire lord <laughs> um, th- that is some insane class and race design and i the tale of arakamel right if you yeah. we'll we'll read that next after we finish genesova this week i'm going to start the tale of arakamel um because i want you to think about that tale and then put a halfling as a dire lord <laughs> right it's it's such a crazy concept but it does open up a lot of cool design and you know this was a neat thing for um them to show off i you know it's not really a i i, I have a hard time seeing this as like a development update you know like 
they could have basically made this decision anywhere along the lines, you know, so, but it's a fun thing to talk about for sure. So uh, it it feeds into the lore and, and I would actually have maybe preferred that they did it as like a, a lore release type of thing where they sort of introduced it via a lore narrative or something like that would have been kind of cooler to me. Uh, how how did you like that part? You know, I, I did take away, uh, by above all, just how fundamental lore is in pantheon which i knew right but whenever they bring it up as i mean tayhom said you know it's the foundation of everything that goes into this game including the gameplay and them justifying all of the class and race combos by lore and like how the races are was so like inspiring i guess um, and then the little <laughs> yeah. hints about how like halflings have a connection to the dire immediately makes my brain start trying to connect things. Right. Um, I, I think it's, it's excellent. And I know I, I happen to watch uh, a bit of um, the uh, day after um, watch party from Vazgrim. And uh, I know some people are going to be disappointed about warriors. Uh, no, no more halfling warriors. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I like mm-hmm. the changes, um, you know, more additions than subtractions. That's for sure. Obviously Nathan's happy. Like, <laughs> yes, Nathan's a very happy camper. <laughs> I, I've seen good feedback about the scar Rangers too. I mean, people seem to yeah, have very so. excited about scar Rangers, right? bunch of weirdos out there you know you don't know what rangers are all about they're not about dominating nature and like you know uh, i don't want to get off. okay so i gotta say why this is important and why i'm excited about it and it's not because it's just a scar that's a ranger it's because they make it clear that a ranger is an ranger isn't a ranger and that the race actually has a lot to do with the manifestation of the class um obviously a halfling dire lord is going to be it's going to have a different trajectory <laughs> than a ogre <laughs> dire lord right and that's something that we do not see i like i would confidently say we do not see that in modern games uh you're you're the best race that goes with your class but it doesn't really matter what your race is um for your gameplay right and this if yeah. you if you roll a scar ranger then you roll a halfling ranger, your experience is going to be very different. Um, in the long term, even I'll, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true for sure. So, I mean, interesting combinations. I have no problem with it. And and I'm glad that they're, you know, they're thinking about these things. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we're, let's wrap up the news though. Let's, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> let's put a bow on this one. Anything else before we, before we do that? Though, oh, that you wanted to say? I mean, just a few things. That I know you probably just do. really cool. Like, I mean, if you weren't there live, um, on Twitch, it was just great to see, you know, co in chat, just being a player. Right. And what's crazy about this is I just mentioned summer game fest. He was just like co-hosting this huge show with like 40,000, you know, viewers, and he like it was like what an hour or two later he just he's in in chat on VR's you know what four hundred person <laughs> you yeah. know and he's yeah, just a was, player it was pretty cool I love it it was very cool I love it um, yeah. but uh, overall I like this stream so much more I think it was nice and simple I think it was super effective I mean obviously like I said you know the floodgates are opening right but um, it was just I feel like it was more professional 
uh it didn't seem awkward to me um for sure and for and sure. i i just i think the the feedback i've seen so far is almost over is like overwhelmingly positive for this stream um you know except for the like random folks that'll just always <laughs> you know n nothing is ever except enough for the, right the unofficial discord yeah. um, but but like <laughs> Overall, man, uh, the comments are great. The the feedback was great, and I think they did an excellent job. I I hope this is like like if this is what we're seeing like from here on, uh, Pantheon's going to get a lot more interest, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, well that's a pretty good wrap. That's we're at an hour, and uh, we're just hitting up on the the Pantheon Plus <laughs> uh, schedule for the week, but that's okay. Um, here's a look at our calendar for the week. As uh, always, we've got some interesting stuff going on. Uh, Drax uh, streaming EverQuest on Monday for the Norath After Dark stream, which is what they're calling it now. Uh, Tuesday, we'll be going back to EverQuest. I'm so sad that I missed the first session of MMOs 101 Aww. on Tuesday this week in EverQuest. I was stuck at work and I just could not get out of there on time. And by the time I was home, it was too late. So I was really upset about that. But I'm I'm getting my levels. I'm going to get on for next week. So I'll be there to uh, uh, return to EverQuest after many, 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 many years. Uh, Wednesday, Sparrow's got uh, Elder Scrolls Online. She's playing that on her Twitch channel at 9 p.m. Eastern. Thursday, they've got the uh, newsletter coming out. So that'll be uh, fun to review and uh, check out. Uh, Friday, we've got Redbeard Flynn putting up a video on YouTube talking about the weather systems in Pantheon and Ashes of Creation. Now, they just released a big update on their game about, you know, how weather affects things. And it's actually really interesting. I looked at it a little bit myself. So I'm interested to see this comparison. Uh, that's on Redbeard Flynn's YouTube channel. Uh, that evening, Friday, uh, the uh, 6.30 in the evening, Sparrow's streaming on P99, doing uh, some P99 stuff with her buds. And uh, that's the calendar for the week. I also want to mention uh, Cringe Pony TV, <laughs> episode two. Hey, you're listening to this on Sunday. Episode two will have aired the previous night on Saturday night at uh, 11 p.m. Central at midnight Eastern on Nathan Napalm's channel. And if you watched it, you saw me and Drac doing some pretty horrible puppetry and being as cringy as we possibly could, although it's not at the same uh, quality of Nathan, <laughs> but we try our best. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy that. Um, so definitely check out at Cringe Pony TV on Nathan Napalm's channel. And that'll wrap it up for this week's VR News and Notes. The Pantheon community is full of cool projects, new people, and things that are just worth sharing. Hmm? What's this over here? <gasps> Look at that. So let's see what we can find in this week's Community Spotlight. All right. Community Spotlight time. Uh, super quick round, right? Um, so I mentioned earlier I was uh, around for Baz's watch party, uh, at least the first hour um, or so. Uh, he digs in a lot. And I can't wait to watch the recap on YouTube because uh, I, I missed a, a good chunk. He was just getting into the, the gameplay stuff when I had to leave. Um, but you nice. definitely want to go check that out. You know, obviously there's tons of thought, um, you know, he's got chat going and, and, and stuff. It, it's a great time to just kind of recap, you know, maybe they point out something that you missed. Um, and they also play mm -hmm. Pantheon bingo. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the bingo was pretty popular. Did you notice yeah. Ronick uh, referenced it several times during the stream? I, I was so happy for Bazir when they were doing that because I was like, hey, he's referencing the thing that Baz created, you know, this this Pantheon bingo card. And uh, Ronick seemed really into oh, yeah. it. So I actually want to go watch the, the watch party from Baz's channel as well because I want to see, um, firstly, his commentary on it because he's got some really good insights and probably, you know, probably lots of smart commentary on it but also to see who won the, the bingo contest <laughs> i was i was at like uh three out of five when i left the stream because uh, i started to do it uh, on the stream night but I, I there's no way i could split my attention <laughs> you know that many ways um but uh i i i couldn't complete mine um so you know maybe other people had better luck but uh but yeah. Um, and then uh, we've got, you know, may as well shout out Nathan uh, twice here um, because you mentioned yeah. Cringe Pony TV, but uh, he's come out uh, with Pantheon MMO race, cl- uh, race and class changes and sprint and new gameplay. Uh, just, you know, he's covering as much as he can, I'm sure. And uh, it's going to get your blood pumping. It's going to it's going to get you excited. It's going to get you hyped. Um, and it's it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Nathan. If you watch it, if you watch it, it's he's doing it a little different style, which I really liked actually. He does it where it's like you can see him talking, like he actually has the camera on himself. Oh, Usually yeah. he just does voiceover work with gameplay going on in the background. And I just wanted to comment on it because I think it's I really like the the new way he's filming it now. I think it looks pretty cool. So if you don't know Nathan Napalm, yeah, yeah does a good I'm, job. I actually agree with that. I, I really like it too. Um so you know, keep keep it up, man. Uh you you, you keep us young. Um but uh yeah since this is a speed round uh that's gonna be it for this week's community spotlight and we'll you know be back with the community discussion uh, another time sit back and relax it's time for the lore you know okay so lore time now we're going to talk about the next mission of janisova uh and the last part of the tale uh as we learned today you know his methods and motives tend to be as enigmatic as he may be. Um, well, you know, what does it mean to be a dark traitor? You know, we have that conjures images of certain, you know, moral tendencies. But when the opportunity arises for Janice Sova to take a contract, is he beholden to do so? You know, in this tale, we're actually left wondering whether it's his morality that decides or maybe even a higher bidder. Because the story doesn't really tell us but we have to sort of figure out from what we hear. So I really like this part of the tale and I hope you enjoy the words of J.N. Gerhardt, Pantheon's lead writer, as we conclude the story of Janisova for this week's Lore You Know. There is another tale that might shed light on Sova's silhouette, a more recent chapter from his book on subverting the subverted. It began with a contract on a daughter of a Tyrusan noble family of Thronefath. On the surface, the term seemed self-evident. The girl was to be kidnapped and subsequently held for ransom. This was pretense of the darkest sort. The traitor who took the contract would learn that the true purpose of the mission was to abduct the girl and slay her, leaving the crime indisputably at the feet of the fledgling human government of Paragos, a colony to the east of Kingsreach. Dark traders of elite stature are sought through a number of ways, and the signature of a mission was in the habit of using a creature known as an echo, a sort of limited specter that can drift between the material and immaterial worlds. Whether or not he was contacted by an echo, Sova did not take the contract. 
Instead, it was claimed by the Daywalker. This mountain of an assassin wears pure white wrappings over all of its body, and is said to move so swiftly that neither dust nor blood can stick to those garments. His eyes, hands, and feet are all that are left uncovered, and he uses no weapon or tool in his craft. Yet his name comes not from the color of his clothing, but the time at which he strikes, broad daylight, on every occasion. The young Tyrusa lady relaxed with her family beneath an opulent tent on their private isle in the Bethrael Sea. Their party was guarded by no less than a dozen men-at-arms, with additional scouts spread throughout the shore and forest. When Syros was highest in the sky, they sounded an alarm. A large beast was approaching their camp. In truth, it was the Daywalker. His pace deliberately slow, his frame as solid as stone, inviting the Tyrus family guards to intersect with him far from the main party. The sand muffled his steps, but each foot sunk clumsily into the sand and surf, making a trail behind him. It seemed his heralded speed would be neutralized in this pristine and carefully chosen environment. The dry grains of sand exploded around the soldiers' boots as they hurled themselves towards him with a few left back to herd the family off to the safety of the rowboats further down the shore. A wizard stood behind the men as they charged, her sweaty hands starting to crackle with energy in the same fractured beat of her heart. At this juncture, the daywalker set his steps upon the sand, as if they were solid as stone. Then he began to run. It is said there is a moment when the turn arrives, a flash when the lies of the night die in the face of the light. Perhaps it comes in a whisper, a glint of sudden steel or the first trickle of blood. In this moment on that tiny isle, turn was quiet for some and loud for others. The daywalker leaped over the men-at-arms, leaving their swords and pikes as impotent as their shouts. He only picked up speed as he landed, then drove his foot so hard into the wizard's chest she flew backwards into the water, dead. His speed was that of a dragon, diving down an attack, while his body remained calm as a dove. He finally slowed as he approached the last of the guards, snapping arms and neck with the routine movements of a chef, preparing crabs for feast. Yet, something slowed his spirit, for as he leapt once more through the air and came crashing down on the painted wooden dinghy, the daywalker saw no sign of the girl, the target. Her parents and siblings were struggling in the water, but they were not his concern. He left the boat, a mass of shattered timber and bones, then dismissively marched toward the waves and walked directly into the sea. Sova was not seen at the attack. He was not mentioned by any of the survivors, nor by the noble lord Tyrusa, who was himself grievously injured in the fray. When the battle passed, five men-at-arms lay dead on the sand, their wounds creating pools of red crystal until the tide swept it all away. The wizard was pulled lifeless from the sea. The lord and his lady survived, and the daywalker was gone. Yet, what of their daughter, the one for whom this calamity had been launched? She was gone, not in the arms of the daywalker, not under the protection of a guard. That afternoon, she was found sleeping in her bed in Thronefast, resting off a fever that had come suddenly upon her. She had told no one, and none could say, least of all the girl herself, if she had ever left the bed that morning. Yet, when she awoke from a dream-filled sleep, 
the girl noticed a mottled gray feather in the palm of her hand. Nothing more. And that is the lore you know. And that sound means it's the end of another episode and the beginning <laughs> of another week closer to the a launch of Pantheon. Rise of the Fallen. <laughs> Pantheon, Rise of the Fallen. Yeah. Hopefully we're, you know, uh, every week. But it just, you know, these discussions and all these things we do, it makes the journey go by in a much better way. And Desrin. I just, it's a pleasure to walk this path. With it's it's so fun. Thanks for, thanks for letting us go a little bit long on that segment. Cause uh, it, it's, it's a blast. Yeah. Just it, in case you guys don't know, the external processing is, is good for us too. Um, right. hundred percent, hundred percent external processing. I, I really like, if I didn't do this, I don't think I could do like it sort of builds on itself. All this content builds on itself. I couldn't do Pantheon Plus U. And I want to mention before we end the show too, on Pantheon Plus U, I want to thank Tayhome again for jumping <laughs> yeah, into the yeah. green room and joining. I can't believe I didn't mention this during the show, but he jumped into the green room and was on the show with us. And we actually got to talk to him, me and Drak and Nathan. It was amazing. And it was just like, you know, this is VR. This is what they do. I, I'd never expected to see them jump in the green room like that. And what a what a cool night. I just sort of fell asleep last night thinking, man, that's awesome. <laughs> so hearty thanks to everyone at VR for supporting us here at Pantheon Plus and, and really appreciate that. And uh, we will continue to make content um, until uh, our, I don't know, until Pantheon is until 20 years old. Forever. Until forever. That sounds about right. So a hearty thank you to our lovely uh, friends in the community, everybody that supports the Rewind and everything we do at Pantheon Plus. So with that, I'll say join us again next week and uh, cheers. See you forever, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers and thanks for listening.